Hello, we have an exciting announcement and it is so exciting in fact that we are coming to you pre-theme tune. I'm too excited to even wait for Mark to add the theme tune. The exciting announcement is we've got merchandise and we know loads of you have been asking for this for ages. We've obviously tried it in the past. We've done small runs of things. We have bitten the bullet and gone for it properly this time. So please head to our new website, which we're also very excited to tell you about. And Mark's going to hate me for doing this, but I'm going to say www. at the beginning, www.seeingredpodcast.co.uk. Hello and welcome to Seeing Red, a true crime podcast. I'm Mark. And I'm Bethan and thank you so much for joining us once again. We're on episode two of Seeing Red season 10, which is so exciting. So um, yeah, thank you very much. And thanks to our most recent Patreon supporters. Did you want to do the honours, Bethan? No, last week has wiped (laughs) me out. (laughs) Yeah, uh, okie doke. Let's see if I can butcher any of these. So we have Sandy Briggs. Ellis, Catherine Boddy, Claire McLeod, Andrea B, Super Kenny Cooper, Rebecca, Vicky O'Donoghue, Julia Gray, Alison Saltmarsh, Hannah Fletcher and Emma Jennings. I think, thank I hope you everybody. I've got them all right. Yeah, thank you I for think your he did. support. Fingers crossed. Uh, if you would like to join these guys, all you need to do is head over to patreon.com slash seeingredpodcast. And we've got loads of stuff available to reward you for your support of the show and your support through Patreon. It makes a huge difference to us and it means that we're still here on season 10, uh, 250 plus episodes in doing what we love. So a huge, huge thank you to all of you and our existing supporters too. And actually anyone who supports us in any way, whether that's on social media, listening to us, recommending us, we're so grateful. This week, we are going across the pond. We're visiting Chicago to delve into the captivating and explosively controversial case of the Jussie Smollett hate crime hoax of 2019. Yes, I am excited for this episode. We have been thinking about doing this for a long time, haven't we? We've talked about this loads over the years, yeah. It's extremely likely that you will remember this one because it made massive waves in the news and on social media at the time. And it was at a time when America was at its most fragile political state in decades, actually. It took place in January as the city of Chicago in Illinois was under the grip of a lethally cold winter storm. And it centred around an A-list celebrity who sensationally claimed to have been attacked and beaten up in a racially and homophobically motivated attack, igniting a wave of sympathy and outrage across the nation. However, as the investigation unfolded, startling revelations emerged, raising doubts about the veracity of the victim's story, which ultimately led to allegations of a staged attack. This episode will explore the intricate details, public reactions, legal proceedings, and the broader implications surrounding this high-profile case, shedding light on the complexities of victimhood, media influence, and the impact of false narratives in modern society. But before we begin, let's take a moment to hear from this week's show sponsor. 
That's the sound of another sale on Shopify, the all-in-one commerce platform that will help you to start, run and grow your business. Shopify is the commerce platform revolutionizing millions of businesses worldwide. Whether you're selling candles or cupcakes, Shopify simplifies selling online and in person so you can focus on the really important stuff, which is growing your business and focusing on your customers. Covering all your sales channels from a shopfront ready point of sale system to an all-in-one e-commerce platform. Shopify even gets you selling across social media marketplaces like Facebook, Instagram and TikTok. And it's full of the industry-leading tools ready to ignite your growth. Shopify gives you complete control over your business and your brand without learning new skills in design or coding. And thanks to 24-7 help and an extensive business course library, Shopify is ready to support your success every step of the way. What's great about Shopify is that no matter how big you want to grow your business, they will be there every step of the way to empower you with the confidence and control to take your business to the next level. It's time to get serious about selling and get Shopify today. This is Possibility powered by Shopify. Sign up for your £1 per month trial period at shopify.co.uk slash seeingred. That's all in lowercase. So that's shopify.co.uk slash seeingred to take your business to the next level today. Shopify.co.uk slash seeingred. Jussie Smollett was born in Santa Rosa in California in the USA on the 21st of June in 1982 to parents Joel and Janet. He was the middle child of six Smollett children and has three brothers and two sisters. So that's Jake, Jackie, Jojo, Journey and Jazz. Several of those have gone on to become well-known actors too, just like Jesse. I love how they've what gone is with it the with Jay parents? theme. Yeah, yeah if they, I, I like mean, it. I get it because they're Joel and Janet, so they've gone with it. But it, I don't know. I'm not sure how I feel about it. It's like the Kardashians. And also when we talked about Jodie Jones recently... Yeah. Um, they used the same initial, but I'm not sure how I feel about it. Maybe I'm a little bit jealous. Maybe that's the problem, but I just think like, I don't know, it just seems odd. You're not happy about it, are you? As we'll get into later, Jesse Smollett's ethnic background is a somewhat important aspect of this case. His mother, Janet Smollett, is African-American through and through, but his father, Joel Smollett, had a far more unique heritage, which encompassed a mixture of Ashkenazi Jewish and African-American roots, forming a distinctive Jewish-African-American ethnicity. Joel Smollett died of cancer, sadly, in 2015, but during his lifetime he was a widely known and respected civil rights champion and the strict patriarch of the Smollett family. It's understood that his unwavering commitment to his political activism meant that he spent extended periods of time away from home and was thus absent for large periods of his children's lives. Nevertheless, he was a big and influential force in the lives of his children. And he pushed them successfully, not only to pursue careers in show business, but to also use whatever fame they achieved to keep their father's legacy alive and to continue with his perceived struggle for social justice. Jussie's acting career began at an early age. He made his acting debut in 1991 at the age of nine, appearing alongside his siblings in the sitcom On Our Own. The show centred around the siblings portraying orphan children who came together to raise themselves. Smollett's talent and charisma were evident from a young age and he quickly gained recognition for his acting skills. When he was 19, Smollett told his parents that he was gay before coming out publicly to his fans not long afterwards. 
In addition to his television work, Jussie pursued a career in music. He released his debut album, Some of My Music, in 2018, and the album showcased his vocal abilities and included tracks with R&B and soul influences. However, it was his role as Jamal Lyon on the television series Empire that catapulted Smollett to widespread fame. I feel a little bit bad that I didn't know who he was until everything that we're going to talk about today came out. Just not somebody who'd ever been on my radar as an actor or a musician. And you're saying all these really cool things he's done. Yeah, I th- and he was super talented, is super talented still, even though he's not really working in TV now, which we'll come on to. But yeah, he was um, really talented musically and with acting. And that was a big show, wasn't it, Empire? And I'd heard of him. I didn't really know him or follow his career up until the incident we're going to come on to discuss. But yeah, I certainly knew the name because it's quite an an unusual name, isn't it? So I recognised it when he hit the news in uh, 2019. Empire, created by Lee Daniels and Danny Strong, premiered in 2015 and it became a major hit. The show depicted the fictional Lion family and their struggles for control of a successful hip-hop music and entertainment company. Jussie's character, Jamal Lyon, was a talented singer and songwriter who also happened to be gay and it was a role that resonated with audiences and also garnered critical acclaim. Jussie's portrayal of Jamal earned him significant praise and accolades. He received nominations for several awards, including the NAACP Image Awards and also the BET Awards. The role also provided him with a platform to advocate for LGBTQ plus rights and to bring attention to important social issues, following in his father's footsteps. Despite his massive success, Jussie still made sure to honour his late father's wishes. Beyond his acting and music career, he got involved in various philanthropic endeavours, supporting organisations focused on education, civil rights and HIV-AIDS awareness. As a gay, mixed-race man, he was very vocal about social justice, American politics, equality and civil rights, of course. I know that obviously we're going to know, I'm from the episode, I'm going to know more about the background of why he did what he did, because I don't know a huge amount about that. And I'm really excited to learn more and to know more. But this just seems like such a real shame that actually his name is now associated with what this one thing that he, well, maybe not one thing, but this scandal and the the hoax. Whereas all of these things, that is incredible to really be able to use your platform to push for change or to make people aware of issues. That's incredible. And yet I know his name from the hoax. Yeah, I... I- completely agree i think it's i think it's a shame i think that's the term to use i think it would have always imploded for him at some point as we'll go on to hear because he was involved in several forms of activism but it's understood that jussie often became overly outspoken about his political opinions and actually quite openly critical of those around him who didn't necessarily agree with him particularly if they were white people so maybe this was always going to implode This understandably ruffled many feathers on the set of Empire, and several members of the cast and crew found Jussie unlikable and also quite difficult to work with. Relations between Jussie and his colleagues became so toxic that even the show's producer began to lose patience with his unprofessionalism on set and was actually said to be seriously considering the prospect of dropping him from the show altogether. Purely oh, wow. down so he to had started to go the opposite way then. Yeah. Yeah. So rather yeah. than trying to actually be vocal about something in the right way, he was taking it out on people close to him. He was waging a one man war. Wow. 
And for him to be such a big star of the show, that's quite major that they were even considering dropping him from the programme. Yeah, and for them to be terminating contracts, they've got to be really Mm. sure they know what they're doing. Yeah. So, of course, in early 2019, something happened that would forever alter the course of Jesse's life and thrust the entire country of America into an even deeper and darker state of political turmoil than it was already in, because this did have huge repercussions. So, to fully understand the magnitude of what happened next, we need to do a very quick recap of just how shaky and unstable the political landscape was in America at the time. On that bitterly cold night in early 2019, to say that the political climate in America was tense would be an enormous understatement. Donald Trump, arguably the most controversial president in America's history, was almost two years into his first presidential term. Trump was and still is a very unconventional public figure, and he I think made unconventional is um it's a such huge an understatement, understatement yeah. isn't it? That is a very it's a very tactful way to describe him, isn't it? Yeah, the world had never seen anybody like this in the Western world had never seen someone like that in power that had been seen in authoritarian dictatorships, but certainly not in in a free democracy like America. So it, yeah, it was, um, I remember when he got into power, it, it was just a weird feeling. And I know lots of people are pro-Trump, lots of people are anti, but whatever your thoughts, it was quite a unique set of circumstances and a unique, he was a unique individual to come into power. So, yeah, unconventional is probably putting it mildly, and he made little to no effort to hide his own bigotry. As such, a large contingent of his supporters were white nationalists who saw his election as a rallying call to rise up and to start spewing all kinds of racist nonsense. And this paved the way for several white nationalist marches through major cities, which in turn triggered counter-protests from the progressive left, and this often resulted in violent clashes and widespread civil unrest. On the opposing side of the argument, the left-leaning liberals of America, who had been hopeful of a Hillary Clinton victory, were still furious that Trump was their president. Their hatred for him was so intense that they staged their own city-wide, not-so-peaceful protests, which would also regularly descend into violence and chaos. To put it another way, things were extremely tense in the land of the free at this time. Things took a turn for the worse in the early morning hours of the 29th of January in 2019, when Jesse was midway through filming the latest season of Empire. During filming, Jesse was renting a luxury apartment in an affluent downtown area of Chicago. Despite the city being in the grip of a polar vortex, which had pushed the outside temperatures to a staggering minus 29 degrees Celsius, Jesse oh, made the bizarre... Oh, that is too cold. That is I'm ridiculous. Sorry. That is... Yeah. That is just ridiculous. It's, like, it's how can you be out in that? Well, out he was. So he made the bizarre and ill-advised decision to leave the warmth and security of his high-rise luxury apartment to go and buy a sandwich from the local subway. So I think this is around about 2am. It cannot be understated how foolhardy a decision this really was because the weather conditions outside were so severe that the city was essentially on lockdown and certainly in an elevated state of emergency. Temperatures that low are considered lethal and actually unsustainable to maintaining human life and the local government had issued a serious health warning and urged everyone to basically just stay inside unless they had no choice but to leave their home. 
So the time was about 2am and the weather conditions were utterly abysmal and that is an understatement. As Jesse was walking back from Subway, shivering intensely as he clutched his sandwich, he was approached out of nowhere by two masked white men who blocked his path. Almost immediately, the two men, who apparently recognised Jesse as a star of the TV show Empire, began yelling racist and homophobic abuse at him. Within moments, he was attacked physically. The men punched him in the face, causing him to slip on the icy pavement and fall down to the floor. They began to savagely kick and punch him in the head and body as he lay helplessly cowering on the ground. Before fleeing, one of the men tied a makeshift noose around his neck, while the other poured a bottle of bleach over his head and face. This was a horrific attack, and the last thing Jussie heard one of the men say was, This is MAGA country. Now, this last comment, as will be touched on later, was felt to be significant because it indicated strongly that the attack on Jussie was political as well as racist and homophobic. Yeah, it's kind of literally this entire attack has got every single It's ticking every box here, yeah. Yeah, literally ticks every box. Yeah. So for those who are unfamiliar, the acronym MAGA stands for Make America Great Again. And it was popularised as a slogan during the 2016 presidential campaign of Donald Trump, of course. The phrase and associated red caps with MAGA embroidered on them became widely recognised symbols of Trump's campaign and his promise to restore America's greatness. The slogan and associated merchandise have become divisive symbols in the highly polarised political climate and it's a phrase that's strongly associated with Trump and his policies and it's led to both strong support and of course strong opposition because critics argue that the phrase make America great again harkens back to a time when certain segments of the population, particularly minorities, faced systemic discrimination and exclusion. Some argue that it implies a desire to return to an era that was not great for everyone, raising concerns about racial equality and inclusivity. The slogan and its paraphernalia have at times been associated with individuals or group espousing extremist views, and this association has contributed to the perception of controversy surrounding the phrase. MAGA has become intertwined with discussions on various cultural and social issues, such as LGBTQ plus rights, women's rights and social justice. Supporters and opponents often have differing perspectives on these matters, leading to further controversy. However, it is important to note that while MAGA is controversial to some, to many, it also has significant support among a portion of the population who believe in its message and associate it with positive changes they wish to see in their country. Because on the face of it, it's if you don't delve too deep into the meaning behind it, it's just saying, yeah, we need to make this country great again. It's a brilliant country. Let's work together to make it great again. But there are lots of connotations associated with that. And I think as well, like everything has so many more layers and it's, everything is multifaceted that when you start to look deeper, even people on the same side will have differing views when you get to like three or four layers down as well. So having one simple slogan that becomes all encompassing, is it's just never going to It's never going to work, to work is, it? is yeah. it? And then to have that as like the key thing, it's just, it is almost insulting, isn't it? You You can't have an entire political campaign or entire political belief system based off of one word of great like that just doesn't no it doesn't make any sense and public opinion on the matter is diverse and varies depending on one's political beliefs values and personal experiences so 
people that were wearing MAGA caps in uh, Donald Trump's presidential election campaign and afterwards doesn't mean they're racist and homophobic or that they hold the same values as some of the extremist people that would be wearing those caps. Some people that followed that MAGA philosophy would have very much just believed it in its stripped down sense of yeah let's get this country back to what it used to be not in terms of racial segregation for example but just great values the land of the free and opportunity where the streets are paved with gold for everybody and i imagine some people must have seen it as well as like well let's make it great again as in it hasn't been but we can we can do something better now and not trying to focus on the past like let's make it great because people thought it was great before and we can make it great again. And then you're swept up in this kind of opinion that everyone who believes that is racist as well. Like, yeah, yeah, it's crazy. It's just not something that I know so much about, but it just sounds so convoluted and difficult to unpick the, the American political system. Same. Yeah, I'm no expert in it. And, you know, we're just storytellers. So we just come into you to not share any opinions to just um talk about the facts in this case and yeah the political landscape in america was um in turmoil at this point so if all of this wasn't bad enough this random racially motivated assault on a black celebrity a black gay celebrity was bound to make things so much worse a storm really was coming now Despite Jussie only incurring very minor physical injuries, this vile racist and homophobic attack had left him extremely distressed and deeply traumatised, which is completely understandable. After the incident, Jussie picked himself up off the pavement and walked back to his apartment. Once there, he contacted the police and reported the incident to them. Jussie gave a statement to the responding police officers at his home before being sent to a nearby hospital for a cautionary checkup. The Chicago Police Department responded swiftly to the report and initiated an immediate investigation into the alleged hate crime. Jussie cooperated fully with the authorities, providing them with information and assisting in their efforts. It didn't take long for the media to realise what had happened to this popular actor who was on a big show, Empire, and news of the attack rapidly gained an enormous amount of worldwide media attention, with many thousands of social media users expressing support and sympathy for Jussie, who they absolutely regarded as a victim of a hate crime, which is absolutely what we all thought at this time. This is the first time I heard heard of him and heard of his name and it was so shocking. It was horrible, yeah. Yeah, you kind of get, I think I can be in like a really privileged position where I can kind of think like, oh God, that doesn't happen. And then suddenly you hear about this thing where it was the noose that was used in the attack thing. That that was, I think the most shocking to me, I was like, Jesus, how is that still even something that's thought about, let alone used in an attack? What a horrifically racist thing to do. Like, the whole thing just was so, so shocking. The noose was, yeah, it was one of the most disturbing elements to this supposed attack. Because for me, it conjured up an episode we did on Emmett Till, uh, who posthumously became an icon in the civil rights movement in America. So he was lynched um, for, you know, it was just horrific. It's, you know, an incredibly sad case and we had to go there and visit it and actually there's a really you know hugely important story that then develops off the back of Emmett Till's murder 
But this noose was really symbolic in Jussie's attack and it was there to send a message, uh, a real sharp message that this was a racist attack. Several A-list celebrities also began tweeting their solidarity with Jussie and they called for the perpetrators to be brought to justice. The incident generated significant public outrage and sparked discussions about the prevalence of hate crimes in society and within days the hashtag Justice for Jussie was trending on Twitter. And I think you've hit the nail on the head, Bethan, because it's we totally come at it from a privileged position in so many ways and I think up until this point it's this is rare this doesn't happen very often and I I actually think and I hate to kind of say it but I think for it to happen to a celebrity was was almost worse because you tend to think of celebrities as being a bit more protected or a bit more idolized by the public so yeah it was just kind of if it could happen to a celebrity then it could happen to absolutely anybody. Yeah, because I think with celebrity, whilst you don't, whilst they are just normal people and you don't want to ever put them on a pedestal and see them as something different, they do tend to afford like that kind of untouchable sort of thing. And actually, of course, they're not and anything can happen. But it was another element to this, wasn't it? That was just really, really shocking. Like everybody knew him as well as, I mean, not everybody, I didn't, but the media, the way the media were talking about him, it was this very well-known, famous face and this famous name. Yeah, and cer- suddenly certainly even in America. he can be the victim of this. Yeah, and also you're right, I think people feel that they know him and it almost feels like it's happened to a friend then or an acquaintance. So it, it hits you a little bit harder and I think that's that's what was at play, certainly in America, where he had a much bigger profile than internationally. So this social commentary surrounding the event quickly morphed into a bitter political row. The police had revealed that Jussie's assailants had been wearing red MAGA hats and this detail was used by left-leaning Democrat voters to portray President Trump and his supporters as racist thugs who were hell-bent on destroying America's inclusive and progressive values. So it was being weaponised really at this point to their agenda. The public interest in the ongoing drama was so intense that it even managed to infiltrate the US political institution. Democratic Senator and future Vice President Kamala Harris described the attack as an attempted modern-day lynching and urged Congress to pass a federal anti-lynching bill considering what had happened to Jussie. Um, and yeah, that, that, it just, as I said, it really evoked the memory of L- Emmett Till. And I would encourage anybody to go back and listen to that episode if you've not listened to it. I think it's our best episode. I really do think it's the best episode we've ever done. I can't believe that they were trying to pass a federal anti-lynching bill that that, that wasn't that ha- had already to be done. Yeah, I know. a federal bill. Like, I guess maybe it was already... Because they obviously have like different elements of their polit- of their um, law enforcement in America, so maybe it was um, still a crime in one element or not the other. But that just seems crazy that it's not a federal crime. Yeah. So that's mad. And I think that just probably showed the population of America that we've still got a long way to go. At this point, they've just seen a huge celebrity with a big profile, somebody who is an activist who has tried to make the world a better place, not just for himself, but for everybody. They have seen him attacked in a homophobic and racially motivated attack. So yeah, it's, um, it's really whipping up this just, it would have been awful at the time, I think, in America to, 
to be thinking, God, you know, how bad has this country got that we're now having to try and push through an anti-lynching bill in 2019? What the fuck has gone wrong, you know, somewhere? Uh, we thought we'd have moved on so far from that. So, yeah, it, it was just a terrible time, I think, for America and Americans. On the opposing side, President Donald Trump himself was asked about Jesse being attacked. And to be fair, I suppose he had no choice. And I think he genuinely meant this. He said, I think that's horrible. It doesn't get worse. Um, So, you know, we couldn't really say anything else, could he? But there were lots of accusations being levelled at him that he had almost encouraged this kind of behaviour with that MAGA um, catchphrase. As horrific in nature as this attack was, it gained Jussie unprecedented publicity and for a short time, the eyes of the entire world gazed sympathetically upon him. The incident had cast a bright but ugly light on the rampant racism and intolerance that was still inherent in American society. On the opposing side of the debate, a small minority of conservative journalists and social media influencers expressed their scepticism regarding Jussie's claim of being attacked. And Jussie responded by saying that he believed that if he had said the attackers were Mexicans, Muslims or black people, quote, the doubters would have supported me much more. And that says a lot about the place that we are in our country right now. So um, there was already starting to be in some corners an element of scepticism around Jussie's story of what happened that night, particularly given the profile he had and his agenda at this time because it was convenient, let's be honest, for his agenda. So Jussie's comment here would one day come back to haunt him. In addition to this, social justice warriors and Black Lives Matter activists patrolled Twitter and mercilessly abused and cancelled anyone who dared to question Jussie's story, posting vile and often threatening comments which further intensified the state of political strife in the country at this time. So I'm not saying anything, you know, we just... I've got to present the facts and there were social justice warriors, there were BLM activists who were patrolling Twitter at this time and calling for anybody who was uh, putting a question mark over Jussie's story to be cancelled basically. So, um, and, and some of those people that did come out and say, I'm not sure all of this is true at the very beginning, they did receive things like death threats, which is completely unacceptable. However, what I would say is a lot of them would have had their own agenda, I think, and they might have actually believed the story but wanted to cast doubt on it so that they could enforce their narrative. It's so difficult, isn't it? It's because really difficult. We know the truth now, and that's obviously will will change how we how we view this. I just think this is the issue nowadays is that you can't question something and try and find out for yourself and ask questions without somebody getting very angry at you because they feel like you're entirely denouncing what the other side of it and probably a lot of these people were just like you said trying to push an agenda you know oh it it can't have happened it wouldn't have happened it's made up some of these people may well have just spotted holes or or wondered about things and they just wanted to know or they might have known something they might have had like one or two of the bits of the truth and and wanted to share that you just that is for me that's the issue with social media nowadays is that people get so adamant that they are right and that they can't have a discussion about the other side of things agree and obviously when we're talking about something like this and if you're saying well no racist attacks do not happen that of course cannot be true like you, somebody is going to be crossed with that but just asking the question of hang on a second do we believe this shouldn't be 
disallowed. So it's yeah, a re- it was a it was a horrendous time really for so many people because this must have been absolutely terrifying for anybody in any of the minority groups that Jesse was representing and thinking well if this can happen to him what could happen to me so that's so true yeah yeah it would have oh, it's been, just it's just such a weird time it would have been an incredibly worrying time for those mm-hmm. groups certainly that he did represent um it's a difficult one because i i also think that the default should be that we believe uh, survivors of abuse attacks whatever it might be i do think that the default should be that um and i, I do think there was certainly a corner of the population immediately going in on the offensive of no this is bollocks and I'm not sure they had spotted holes maybe some people had but I think it was to push their own agenda and I do I do back that I think people should be the default should be that they are believed and then it's looked into by the appropriate authorities yeah of course yeah so a few days after the attack Jesse gave a live televised interview in which he emotionally recounted the full and harrowing story of how he had been beaten and humiliated by his white assailant. Choking back tears he expressed the emotional trauma that he had suffered as a result as well as his deep-rooted sadness at the ongoing racism and homophobia that was still alive and well in America. The interview went viral and catapulted Jesse even deeper into the spotlight now. Elsewhere, the Chicago Police Department promptly initiated a thorough investigation into this reported hate crime, treating this incident as an extremely serious incident, so they threw a lot of resource at this. Detectives were assigned to the case to gather evidence, to interview witnesses, and to analyse many hours of surveillance footage in order to identify and apprehend the alleged attackers. Throughout the investigation, Jesse maintained his cooperation with the police. He provided additional details about the attack and worked with investigators to identify potential suspects. From the very get-go, the police were dealing with two problems, though. Firstly, they needed to find and prosecute Jesse's two assailants as soon as possible. But also, there was a damage limitation exercise at play here. Jesse had claimed that his attackers were white supremacist Trump supporters. If this was true, this incident could very potentially be the final straw that broke the camel's back, resulting in serious and violent civil unrest and possibly even riots in the city of Chicago and beyond. So it it was, I think they did immediately grasp, this is serious, this isn't just about apprehending these alleged assailants. We need to take this really seriously because there is a danger now that if this is proved to be true and it was white supremacists then there could be a backlash uh you know and even even more political unrest and and turmoil and this scenario of potential riots wasn't far-fetched far from it in fact almost exactly a hundred years prior the city had suffered what is commonly referred to as the chicago race riots which were a series of violent conflicts between white and black communities that occurred over several days in the summer of 1919 so pretty much exactly a hundred years before on july the 27th of that year a young black teenager named eugene williams was swimming in lake michigan this is just horrific what's coming up when he unintentionally crossed an unofficial racial boundary separating the white and black beaches. A white man threw stones at Williams, which injured him so badly that he drowned in Lake Michigan. Isn't that just just fucking almost unfathomable that you ever saw segregate? Like, yeah, it, it feels just so completely impossible that that was something that people 
not only accepted, but were that like enraged by and enforced in such a, and then would treat somebody like that horrifically like what the hell and it just invoked again the memory of Emmett Till and that episode um which was really upsetting and yeah just exact same scenario really um and yeah for for Eugene so despite witnesses and pleas for intervention the police didn't immediately arrest the man that was responsible for his death and the event triggered several days of violence mayhem and destruction during the riots numerous incidents of looting arson and physical attacks occurred white mobs targeted black homes businesses and individuals and black residents fought back and in some cases armed themselves for self-defense and it was by all accounts just an horrific time in chicago's history and a real stain on uh, america's history too and obviously we think about you know we're looking at chicago and specifically because yeah. this is where jesse is now living but even, I mean, that was a hundred years prior. You think about the 80s yeah, when Rodney King was attacked yeah. and obviously the police officers were acquitted and the riots that in, this was, you know, Los Angeles. But that was at this point, what, 30 years before? Yeah. So it's not unthinkable that actually, yes, this was still going and of course it is still going on and yeah. it's horrific that it still is i just yeah the idea of segregation just absolutely it just disgusts baff- me i just cannot it? yeah i cannot understand how anybody could even have that mindset it just baffles me even though almost a century had now passed the chicago police were not so naive to assume that such an ugly historical event could repeat itself So, by their reasoning, the best way to deal with the situation was to track down the attackers quickly and bring about a swift and harsh penalty, which would hopefully ease tensions on both sides and put an end to this matter. On the surface, it looked as if the police were taking the incident seriously, responding appropriately and working hard to get justice for Jussie. But behind the scenes, things were starting to look a little strange. As part of the investigation, the police reviewed numerous hours of surveillance footage from the area where the incident was said to have occurred. However, the initial review of the footage did not capture the alleged attack or any suspects matching the description provided by Jussie. So the police widened their search radius, reasoning that perhaps Jussie had been mistaken about exactly where the attack had taken place. It did seem strange that Jussie would somehow get such a fundamental detail wrong, but it was a traumatic incident and it wasn't impossible that he was mistaken in terms of where it had happened. This is the mad thing with this, though, is that we have so much CCTV I know. everywhere nowadays. Like, this was, this would have been, or somebody or something would have been caught on some sort of CCTV. And there was a camera right above where this attack happened, so I will come back to that shortly. Yeah. Sure enough, a few streets away from where Jussie had originally claimed to have been attacked, the police spotted two suspicious-looking men on nearby surveillance cameras. They were seen hurrying away from the direction of the scene just after this alleged attack was said to have happened. Neither of the men were wearing masks at this point, and both of their faces were clearly visible in the footage. On February the 13th in 2019, under increased public scrutiny via the media, Chicago police announced that they had identified two, quote, persons of interest in connection with the alleged attack. 
The individuals, they explained, were captured on surveillance cameras near the scene around the time of the incident. The police released images from the footage, seeking the public's assistance in identifying these two men. The images were met with a wave of shock and disbelief, because it turned out that this ongoing and emerging story had a bizarre twist. Both of the men in the footage were actually black. Many believe that the police must have been mistaken. It was simply inconceivable for a black man to commit a racially motivated assault on a fellow black man. Furthermore, in the wake of the released images, Jussie suddenly became uncharacteristically camera shy and went radio silent, refusing to comment publicly on the latest developments. It was almost as if he either hadn't been prepared for his attackers to be caught so quickly or that he was somehow unhappy that they had been. Because if you think about it at this time, he should have he should have at least been coming out saying, I've seen the images of the two men that the police are saying they want to interview and apprehend in relation to the attack. They were not the two men who attacked me. It was two white men. I've told you that and I'm telling you that it was not these two men. So you would have thought he would have been coming forward at this point to deny it was them or to to kind of, I don't know, maybe just come forward and say, maybe I was mistaken, it was dark, they had masks on. Um, although it was racially motivated, maybe that, that was the case. And or they even were to come black. out and say, like, I'm shocked. Yeah, you know, or I'm I ass- shocked. I, I had assumed that they were white because it was a stressful situation. The and things they, they said were they so racist. Ra- racial insults at me. So, so you therefore would. I assumed, yeah. yeah, to just not say anything as well. Yeah, it was starting to I, really... Yeah, he clearly was not expecting that they would be spotted no, or even no. thought of as anything to do with this. No, because as far as Jesse is concerned at this point, he knows where this attack has happened, there was a camera right above them. So it has all been captured on a camera. He has told the police exactly where this happened and when. There's a camera there. So all the police need to do is get that footage. And there's a reason they didn't get that footage, which I'll come on to, which isn't anyone's fault. Um, so he never really anticipated that the police would widen their search and then actually see these two men and connect them with the attack. So the case was beginning to seem more and more bizarre with each passing day now. The next day on February the 14th in 2019, the police arrested two Nigerian brothers, Ola Asundero and Abel Asundero, who were initially considered as suspects in the case after being positively identified as the men on the CCTV. And just remember, this was this was a huge news story. So their images from the CCTV footage were captured quite clearly and then reproduced across social media en masse and within the national and international media. So, of course, someone was going to come forward. Probably dozens of people were like, oh, my God, it's Ola and Abel. I know them. I've got to go to the police and tell them. So, yeah, the next day, of course, they were positively identified. So detectives were saying they're two persons of interest at this point. They don't know that they have committed the attack, but they are in the vicinity around that time acting suspiciously. So, of course, they now carry out a deep and extensive background check on both of the men. And it's here that the general weirdness of the case reached its peak because it was sensationally revealed that one of the brothers had previously worked on Empire with Jussie as an extra and the two of them were known to be friends, gym partners and possibly more of Jussie's. So he knew these two men that just happened to be in the vicinity at this time. This stunning revelation changed the entire dynamic of the investigation. 
Now, you may think that this was the point in time when the spotlight of suspicion was suddenly twisted towards Jussie, but actually you'd be wrong because it turned out that the police had been highly sceptical of his story from day one. Now, for one thing, the makeshift noose that Jussie's alleged attackers had placed around his neck seemed like an odd thing for anyone to do, regardless of their views on politics or race. That was their take on it. I disagree with that because I think it was highly symbolic of lynching and it was really used and weaponized to get a point across that this is a racially motivated attack. So I think if it it was, though, I think that it would make sense, but potentially there's not there hasn't been another use of that as a symbol for however many years like maybe the police had only that was the first time they'd seen this used as a symbol in an attack for decades or something and that was why it seemed unusual and odd i I don't know i i think very sadly that it's possibly used yeah it was it was horrific symbolism mm -hmm. i think it's probably used more than we would like to know and has been used and is used and weaponized in that way Um, What was really unusual, though, was that the first police officer to visit Jussie's home in the immediate aftermath of the attack recalled finding it really weird, basically, that Jussie was still wearing the noose when this officer arrived. So, Oh, no, because you'd rip that off your neck straight away. You would not walk home with that. Yeah, he'd apparently walked all the way home with the noose tied around his neck and kept it on even after he'd gotten home. Just so, to prove, to look, pr- this yeah. was the noose. And he could have just held it or, I mean, maybe he was saying it was difficult to remove it or that he didn't want to contaminate any DNA that could have been on it. But either way, the police officer that arrived at Jussie's home in the immediate aftermath of the attack did instinctively find it quite weird that Jussie had done that. So we don't know the intricacies around it. Maybe it was difficult for Jussie to remove or maybe he was saying, I want to preserve DNA. Maybe none of that was the case and he could have and should have just taken it off. So yeah, he's kind of thinking, why has he walked home with this still around his neck? Furthermore, for the detectives, Jussie's claim that he had been accosted by two MAGA hat-wearing white men in the middle of one of the most affluent areas of Chicago at two o'clock in the morning on such a lethally cold night was, to them, simply absurd and nobody was buying it. So I still by the fact that even though this is an affluent area of Chicago, that doesn't mean that you're immune from being attacked by two crazy MAGA hat-wearing white guys with their agenda to pursue. Um, But for me, the fact that it was a lethally cold night makes me think they've chosen this night out of all nights. They've chosen this night to do it, really. I do find that unusual. And what are the chances that he would be out? Less likely, whereas a nicer... Yeah. I mean, on the flip side, what are the chances you're going to be interrupted when you happen across one person that you're going to decide to attack? And maybe the attackers, if this was true, didn't know who they would... They would just literally... They saw someone, they saw a black man, and they decided. But then how would they have known he was gay? There would have been... Do you know what I mean? Like, it must have been him that they wanted to attack because he's got this... You know, the public image and he's an activist but then how would they have known that he was going to be going out because why would you go out in that weather it's dangerous and it's a risk to life so then would these people have just been hoping had they you know had they been stalking his home and saw him come out like there's there's so much to it because of the fact that it's such a a horrific 
night weather-wise. Yeah, are you telling me that those two alleged attackers had waited outside the apartment building for hours in that extreme weather on the off chance that Jussie would happen to leave and walk around the corner on his own in the middle of the night? It it was, yeah, I can see that some people would have initially um, been sceptical of this. And also don't forget the actual, although, you know, horrific uh, insults were allegedly hurled at Jussie, according to him, during the attack... In terms of, of the physical element of the attack, it was minimal. He didn't really need hospital treatment. It was more just a precaution to get him checked over in hospital. So, you know, these two men are going to go to these extreme lengths just to hurl a few insults at this guy and sort of push him to the ground a bit. I don't know. I, I could see if they had an agenda where they wanted to murder a high-profile activist i could understand it then but this was quite a, a sort of i'm going to call it a flaccid attack that is a disgusting word to use but it's also the perfect word to use this is what i mean though when i said i think people might have seen holes in the story and I get that now had yeah. questions around it not that they necessarily knew specifics but just asking these questions because asking these questions now knowing what we know we're not going to get people being angry but if you ask these questions somebody is quite quite understandably gonna say hang on a second how dare you disbelieve this man yeah racism is so prevalent still and you're trying to diminish what he went through you can understand where these people might have questioned things I and can, it's, I can. it's very interesting that the police straight away were already questioning this but they still investigated and they still did their jobs yeah with that disbelief and the distrust in the story behind the scenes but equally i can see i can absolutely see that side i can see the other side of here we go again we've got a black gay man who has been attacked it's racially homophobically premeditated attack and you're not believing him of course you're not you know i do kind of understand where they were coming from because that happens a lot certain portions of the population are less likely to be believed than more privileged sectors of the population that does happen and it happens every single day however yeah there was a lot of skepticism at this point and this skepticism now extended into the upper echelons of the US media However, they were much more afraid of the potential backlash, cancellation and accusations of racism should they publish that scepticism. So they ran headlines that gave full and unquestioned credibility to Jussie's story. So, yeah, again, privately, they're suspecting that there's more to this and we're not fully believing, but they were too scared to go out and actually accuse him of lying. During the investigation, suspicions emerged that Jesse may have orchestrated the attack himself. The police began, of course, now looking into the possibility of a hoax or a false report, given multiple inconsistencies in his account as well as other emerging evidence now. Chicago police confirmed that they had raided the homes of Abel and Ola Osendero. Police recovered bleach and other items of interest from that property. The brothers were held overnight in police custody, now on suspicion of battery. And the following morning, they were released without charge after a Chicago police spokesman confirmed their release was due to new evidence that had surfaced from their interrogations, which I will come on to in a second. According to the Osandero brothers' attorney, the brothers had disclosed to the police that they knew Jesse personally from working with him on Empire and that they had also spent time with him at the gym. The men gave accurate and corroborating statements to the police claiming that Jesse had paid them $3,500 to stage the attack. I j- oh, it's just horrendous, isn't it, when you just suddenly hear this? And they, they, they squealed straight away and that's why they're released the next day without charge. 
So Jussie had even given them additional money to buy the necessary accessories, so the rope, the bleach, the masks and the MAGA hats, and had even taken them to the exact spot where he wanted the attack to take place. So according to the brothers, Jussie wanted the attack to be caught on CCTV and then subsequently blow up in the media. Oh, so he did know about... He did know. There was a camera right there, don't forget. Yeah. Right? But after the Mm -hmm. attack... Jussie became allegedly furious when he realised that the CCTV camera that he'd intended this attack to be caught on was not working and no footage of his attack existed whatsoever. So you can imagine how powerful that would have looked if that had gone on, if that had have been captured. We'd have had two attackers. um, Absolutely. Jussie is saying they're white men and they would have had their faces covered, they'd have been wearing gloves. So to all intents and purposes, we would have absolutely taken that at face value, would have seen the mag hat would have seen the noose and that would have gone viral and that really would have added so much gravitas to Jussie's story and I don't think he'd have ever been found out for creating this hoax if that camera was working and it's only because it wasn't working the police widen the search they then find Ola and Abel and they're like hang on a minute it looks like these two guys might be the guys that have attacked Jussie but they're black so This doesn't really make any sense now. Why would two black men racially attack another black man? So, yeah, and then when they dig into the backgrounds of Abel and Ola, it's like, okay, now it's we're understanding, yeah, we you know him. They haul they then release the images straight away, they're identified, they're brought in for questioning, and straight away they squeal and they're saying, actually, this has all been set up. So really, really quickly unraveled. That that element to this. I did not ever know that. That, Isn't that he must have been he must have been absolutely raging he must with himself been. that he picked that camera yeah of all the millions of cameras and that one wasn't working yeah so um really super interesting element to this case and like i say uh we probably wouldn't be covering this or having this conversation or even yeah discussing it in any great length if that camera had been working this would have gone down in history as an horrific homophobic and and racist attack and there could have been a widespread movement as the like that we actually then did actually go on to see um following george floyd's um murder so uh, maybe that would have happened then. Yeah, but it we might have been, been talking about this in a completely different... In a different... completely different way, but it would have been based on hollow foundations, which would have wow. just been so wrong. So, yeah, just so interesting. Ola and Abel said to the police that they weren't really certain why Jussie was running such a ridiculous scheme, but they believed that he had been deeply affected by the widespread socio-political turmoil off the back of Trump's election. And they said that they think he wanted to paint the president and his followers in a negative and dangerous light by any means possible. They also speculated that Jussie knew he was close to being sacked by the producers of Empire and planned to use the incident to garner support and make himself essentially untouchable, which I think would have happened at that time. All of that makes a lot of sense. He really believes that this is happening and is wrong in his country. So he's like, well, how can I make everyone else realise what I believe? Yeah. I'll do this because that will prove to them. And also I will be the victim. So therefore I won't get fired. It's It makes a lot of sense. And also it will catapult me to the absolute main stage of being uh, an activist now. People will listen to me and I will follow in my father's footsteps and do him proud. So I think there was a lot of motivation from um, from that role model that he had in his upbringing of his father, who was an activist. 
So there was no shortage of evidence that fully corroborated Abel and Oller's story. Financial records showed that the brothers purchased the rope found around Smollett's Neck at a hardware store a couple of days prior, and they were spotted on CCTV uh, in a clothing store where they'd bought the gloves, masks and two red hats that they wore for the attack. According to the store staff, the men apparently asked specifically for a MAGA hat, which the store didn't sell. So they, I don't know if they, they must have found one at some point or just purchased a red hat and thought that would do. Chicago police later told ABC News, police are investigating whether the two individuals committed the attack or whether the attack happened at all. Within days, based on the evidence gathered, the Chicago Police Department announced that they were now treating Jussie as a suspect rather than a victim. Jussie was in more trouble than one might have expected. If the police could definitively prove that he had lied about being the victim of a felony, he had by definition committed a felony in doing so. Jussie continued to avoid all press coverage of the case like the plague and hired a crisis manager named Chris Bastardi. Yes, that is his actual name to represent him. Oh, wow. You wouldn't have someone in the UK whose name was Chris Bastard, would you? No. That's mad. Love it. Um, That's a really crazy name. Crazy name. So, yeah, so Jussie is like, shit, you know, I need to throw some money at this and get a crisis management company on the payroll and just see if we can salvage my reputation. On February the 20th in 2019, a grand jury was convened to assess the evidence in the case. Following the grand jury proceedings, Jussie Smollett was charged with disorderly conduct and with filing a false police report, which is a serious felony offence in the state of Illinois. The public reaction to this was understandably enormous. Following the incident, Smollett's role on the television series Empire became uncertain, to say the least. Initially, despite their personal dislike towards Jussie, the show's producers and network had stood by him as a show of solidarity, but as the investigation unfolded and doubts really emerged now, the situation changed. So he was eventually sacked from the show and written out of the final episode of the fifth season of Empire. His character was removed completely from the show's storyline, which is also really sad. It is mad as well, like, that he would have had to have acted those last scenes, I guess, unless they've edited it and used previous footage or something. I think it would be a case of let's throw a scene in and explain Jamal's absence. Oh, I've not seen Jamal lately. Oh, yeah, he's gone to live in, you know, outer Mongolia and he won't be back for season six. (laughs) I mean, he won't be back here. You don't write TV shows. This is why I don't write TV shows. Yeah. Yeah. In addition to his sacking from Empire, Jussie faced challenges in securing future acting roles. The negative publicity surrounding the case and the controversy surrounding his actions created a significant backlash against him. Many industry professionals and casting directors were hesitant to associate themselves with him due to the doubts and allegations of him staging the incident. So he'd been charged with with this offence now, but obviously that would have to go to a trial. So he's innocent until proven guilty. Um, Empire have stood by him initially, but then they've sacked him. They've made that decision to write him out. And Jussie's in limbo at this point because he's kind of saying, I've not done anything wrong. Um, It's a waiting trial. And he can't secure any other work because people are saying there's no smoke without fire at this point. As a result, his opportunities for new acting projects suddenly became severely limited, if not completely non-existent. Furthermore, Jussie's reputation now lay in the gutter. 
The incident decimated any and all public trust that had been bestowed on him and led to widespread scepticism regarding his credibility as a human being in general. So I just want to kind of really reaffirm that although um, he's not been tried and found guilty of these charges, it's not been proven that he staged the attack at this point, it is now public knowledge that he will be tried for that and that that is what the police believe and the prosecutors. And and yeah, the public just kind of naturally, yeah, accepted that and were like, actually, yeah, this all makes sense now. And yeah, he staged this whole damn thing. Sadly, the intense controversy surrounding the case far overshadowed Jussie's previous achievements and activism in the entertainment industry. Jussie faced significant criticism and scrutiny from the media, from the public, his peers, and even the very people who had publicly supported him. And even the very people who had supported him at the beginning, who understandably felt betrayed and deceived, they viewed the incident as a pathetic and narcissistic attempt to manipulate public sentiment and to gain attention. Jussie Smollett's criminal trial commenced in March 2021. He pleaded not guilty to all charges and strenuously maintained that everything he told the police about what happened that night was true. The defence strategy used by Jussie's lawyers turned out to be almost as cringeworthy and embarrassing as this hoax. The judge kicked off the proceedings by denying the defence's absurd demands to dismiss the case immediately, no questions asked. Oh my god, it's got this far, they're not going to just dismiss it. How arrogant to say you need to dismiss this now. Then, during the trial, Jussie's defence attorney bizarrely accused the judge of attempting to physically attack her during a sidebar. Oh yeah, because that's going to happen. Of course that's going to happen, yeah. This baseless accusation was laughed off by everyone involved, which prompted Smollett's attorney to accuse the judge of making faces and snarling throughout the trial. And of course the judge denied those claims. Um, oh as my well God. as everyone else in the courtroom can see exactly everyone can see it's what's televised going on. as well it was televised i mean don't get me wrong sometimes when people are talking i can't help my face and <laughs> i do sometimes roll my eyes or pull faces because i can't help but kind of give away what i'm thinking so i could kind of understand that a little bit but i don't think he would have been snarling it's not no. a lion in it's not a lion in a wig this is a judge what the hell? I know. Um, but yeah, you know, I think it's just to kind of cast doubt on a judge's impartiality and to say this is a mistrial because the judge has made up their mind and we need a retrial or we need it just thrown out. During the trial, the prosecution presented the jury with CCTV footage of Jussie and his two alleged attackers in a car a few days before the attack. When questioned about this, Jussie admitted that he'd arranged to work out with Abel but cancelled the workout when Ola had shown up uninvited. However, the prosecutor argued that this footage was evidence of the group holding a dress rehearsal to devise the fake hoax crime. During his testimony, Jesse claimed that he had been engaged in a sexual relationship with Abel Osandero. However, Abel strenuously denied this and insisted he wasn't gay. Ola Osandero took the stand to present evidence that he and his brother had been paid by Jesse to stage the attacks for the purpose of gaining attention and publicity for himself and to tarnish the reputation of President Trump and his followers. Throughout the proceedings, Jesse behaved like a belligerent, spoiled toddler. Whenever anyone made a statement against him, he would stand up and chide them for being a racist or for being homophobic. This is just ridiculous because you're kind of actually now going the opposite way to being an activist because rather than ever supporting anybody who is the real victim you're now kind of almost making it farcical you're like well you said this against me so you're racist and it's like no they answered the judge's question 
truthfully about what you said or didn't do like he's he's taken that that word racist and then almost is undermining he's really it. undermining yeah. it which yeah. is so frustrating because i imagine his dad would be like no you should be standing up for people not making it yeah it's, and it's this dangerous. is just ridiculous it is it's ridiculous what a dickhead <laughs> that's my opinion on him Agreed. At several points during the trial, the judge had to warn Jussie and his legal defence to pipe down or be further charged with contempt of court. Jussie's cringy behaviour was a slice of solid journalistic gold for the multitude of reporters who stood crammed together in that courtroom, and footage of his ridiculous outbursts were broadcast and shared on social media within minutes of them taking place. By all accounts, Jussie was doing an unintentionally wonderful job of bombing into oblivion his career, reputation and legacy. But his narcissism and sense of entitlement wouldn't allow him to see that. It was a truly pitiful spectacle from an otherwise talented performer who had so much to offer, not just in the entertainment industry, but in the world of activism. On December the 9th in 2021, to the surprise of absolutely nobody, the judge found Jussie Smollett guilty on five of the six counts of felony disorderly conduct. On March the 10th in 2022, he was sentenced to 150 days custody and was ordered to pay $120,106 in restitution for the overtime spent by Chicago police officers because they threw a lot of resource at this. They had to. During the sentencing hearing, which lasted more than five hours, the judge repeatedly roasted Jussie from the bench, branding him narcissistic, selfish and arrogant. After being sentenced, Jussie yet again engaged in several embarrassing outbursts in the courtroom, during which he proclaimed his innocence. He also repeatedly shouted that he is not suicidal, so really trying to get that narrative out there of I'm being set up here and I'm going to be offed in prison and they're going to make it look like a suicide and I'm telling you I'm not suicidal. Really just making himself out to be more more important than he was actually. I cannot believe that he's still like protesting his innocence at this point and all of this like it's it's just so odd. (laughs) It's rather silly isn't it? I think silly is a good word. For weeks after the trial, social media continued to play a significant role in shaping public opinion on the matter. Numerous discussions and debates took place, with users expressing a wide range of opinions. Some people defended Jussie and believed that he was unfairly targeted and vilified, citing broader issues of racism and homophobia, but most criticised him for potentially damaging the credibility of real victims of hate crimes and for diverting resources and attention away from legitimate cases. The final twist in the story occurred on March the 16th in 2022, when a three-person Illinois appeals court ordered that Jussie Smollett be released from jail upon his payment of a $150,000 financial penalty in place of his jail time, which was supposed to be 150 days, accepting his attorney's argument that his personal health and safety would be in danger while he was incarcerated. So I think he only served six days of his 150-day jail sentence. And what about all those people who don't have $150,000? Exactly. And I think there's still legal arguments are ongoing and it's possible that Jussie will be recalled to jail to serve out the remainder of his sentence at some point. Because I do agree, his personal health and safety would be in danger. Mm. But however, so is pretty much any... Anybody who's done anything to a child, anybody who is a sex offender, anybody who looks at someone the wrong way. Unfortunately, that is the case. Um, But fine, like it's it's an appeal court. You know, they they have the legal decision making 
Yeah. So Abel and Ola Osandero were never charged for their alleged role in the hoax, um, which I think is the right I guess because right they straight away just gave the answers, didn't they? And yeah, and it was ultimately, it wasn't an attack. It was, they were complicit. So, uh, they were... well, I mean, sorry, I mean, J- Jussie was, you know, asking them to do it. So you can't really... They may not have known exactly what was going to happen after as well. They might have thought it was just... It was just something stupid and he's a bit of an idiot, but hey, we get seven grand between us, so yeah. why not? Yeah, I think it might have only been three and a half thousand between them, I don't know. but Oh, wow. Oh, okay. Yeah, not a lot of money. <laughs> not much at all. Uh, you wouldn't uh, be expecting it to blow up like this, no, though, would you? No, not at all. My overriding takeaway from this is that, you know, Jussie was, I think, well, he generally had the right sort of motivations in life to carry on with his father's work. And to use his profile for good. And I think the whole presidential campaign uh, when Trump got into power and the build up to that just almost radicalised him with his own views. And it meant he became quite extreme and was willing to go to any lengths now. Like you said, Beth, and you again just put it perfectly when you said he just needed everybody to kind of see it from how he saw it. You know, this is terrible. We've got this guy coming into power. I can't believe some people aren't seeing this and how this is having an impact on the country. So I need to, yeah, I need people to open their eyes and see it. And if they can't see it, I will engineer a situation that makes them see it. But he did it just completely wrong. Totally wrong. And it's caused untold damage to real victims out there. And um, and also just the opportunity cost of the amazing work that Jussie could have actually gone on to do in the space of activism, but particularly around being black and gay in the entertainment industry. Um, he could have done some amazing work because I think certainly it's probably quite a racist industry. I, I'm, I don't have the experience to say whether it is or not. It's definitely a homophobic industry, I can tell you that, because there are so many gay actors that do not feel they can come out of the closet and be their true selves in that profession. And it's one of the few professions, a bit like professional football, where there are just so many gay men in particular that do not feel they can come out and live an authentic life because they act in movies or on TV. So he could have really been a powerful he presence in that so industry. He could have so much change. He yeah. really could have. So it's such a shame that that, that wasn't the case. Um, before we go, I am um, just moving on from the episode. I wanted to give a quick shout out to the Leeds International Festival of Ideas, which is back for its third year later this month. Somebody from the festival got in touch with us and I just, wherever we can, I always like to give a shout out to these kind of things. So the festival is taking place between the 27th and the 30th of September in Leeds. Surprise, surprise. And I wanted to mention it because it's dedicating one of its panels to the topic of true crime. So the panel will be attempting to answer the fundamental question of what is our obsession with true crime? And it's a question we've tried to answer. And the panel will be led by Louise Shorter, who is the presenter of CBS reality series Wrongly Accused. I'm a huge fan of Louise's. She does so much work in the criminal justice space. She runs a charity helping prisoners who protest their innocence, helping them to be heard. And she is going to be joined by Richard McCann, Dr. Colton Scrivener, Gemma Whelan, the actress, I think she was in Game of Thrones, and Mark Williams-Thomas, who lots of us are familiar with. 
and together they will delve into the nation's curiosity with true crime and what it is that leads us to relish in the real-life horror from the comfort of our own living rooms. And I just think it's such an interesting subject matter that a lot of us who are really fascinated by the subject of true crime try and answer. And I think for a lot of us it's because we just want to learn about people and their behaviour. But it will be a really interesting panel discussion and tickets for that event have sold out. I'm not surprised, but you can actually watch it after the event um, or during, maybe, I don't know. Um, and all of the other talks taking place, actually, over on the Liffey 23 website. And that's from the 27th of September. So it's L-I-F-I 23. Um, just Google that and you'll find the website. And I will definitely be watching that panel discussion. And I, I might then uh, do a blog post um on it but yeah if you are uh, near Leeds it's worth checking out the festival welcomes famous and influential speakers to discuss a host of important current and thought-provoking topics so it's not just true crime it's all sorts of things Christopher Eccleston is going to be there Stephen Bartlett Ruby Wax so some amazing speakers and I, I just yeah I just wanted to give them a bit of a shout out most of the talks are sold out but some of them still have limited tickets available um, so yeah head to the Liffey 23 website and certainly do check out that panel discussion which is going to be chaired by Louise I think that will just be so interesting thank you for allowing me to uh, tell you about that and um, thank you for listening to the episode as ever um, you can find us on Patreon if you want to support us in that way and you can certainly now find us at our website which is seeingredpodcast.co.uk and do check out our line of merchandise we've got some brilliant stuff there until next week then we will see you then bye bye Hi angels, it's your girl Louise Rumble and I'm the host of the Open House podcast. Therapy quite literally changed my life and sent me straight into my hot healing girl era. Now each week I share my story, the good, the bad and the downright juicy and chat with some of the world's best therapists, psychologists and wellness experts. From love, sex and dating to attachment styles, nervous system regulation, wellness hacks, hormone balancing and more, nothing is off the table. I've emptied my bank account on therapy and healing so you don't have to. So if you're ready to leave the past in the past and build the future you've always deserved, me and my favorite experts are waiting for you on the Open House podcast. Listen now wherever you stream your podcasts and I cannot wait to meet you.